Welcome to the Recovery Playbook, brought to you by the Menninger Clinic, a national leader in mental health and addictions treatment. We're your hosts, Dr. Daryl Shorter. And I'm Ryan Leaf. Our goal is to elevate conversation about substance use and addictions for anyone who may be impacted, including family members. Our episodes will share real issues and the latest treatments and matters of interest to the recovery community. What's today's playbook topic, Ryan? All right, uh, today's playbook topic is dealing with adversity during recovery. Um, I like to say, I get, a, I get a ton of compliments around getting sober in public um, for everybody to see is, as much as the downfall mine was to where I'm at now is, is 180 degrees. But doesn't mean life changes. Life isn't fair for anybody. It's about how you deal with it that matters. And so I like to look at what my, I guess my journey, my path now is, is, is a lesson in how to fail. Huh, yeah. So it's interesting. As an addiction psychiatrist, I get the benefit of working with people who are in recovery. Uh, sometimes they come to me because they're still struggling with depression or anxiety, despite the fact that they got sober. Yeah. And a lot of times people, I think they imagine, oh, I've taken the drugs and the alcohol out of the situation my life should go beautifully from this point. So what do I need to see you for, Shorter? For me, it was being diagnosed on the mental health side of things that was the, you know, was kind of the game changer mm. because there was a why. Um, as an athlete, or as probably anybody in this generation right now, there's always that question of why. Why am I this way? Why do I do it this way? Why, why? Yeah. And uh, when I was diagnosed with my mental health disorders, you know, social anxiety, uh, depression, narcissistic personality disorder, all those things, it made sense that what my addiction was, was, was the symptom. Mm -hmm. I'd found my answer to what I thought was calming those mental illnesses. And so when the drug was taken away, I was, still a drug addict or how I behaved. And why did I behave that way? It's because I had these underlying co-occurring yep. mental health disorders. So yeah, that was, um, that was something I had to address. Did you feel like your recovery should have taken care of all of it? Was there like a moment where you were thinking, why am I still struggling with all this stuff even though I'm X number of months, years sober? Yeah, I mean, I because that in my eyes was what was giving me all the problems, mm -hmm. right? It was, it was affecting me economically. It was affecting me emotionally and relationship-wise. And then, of course, it was affecting me legally. So if you take the substance out, all's good. Well, why were you taking the substance? Um, you know, of course, I liked how it made me feel. Or a better answer, I liked how it made me not feel. Mm -hmm. And what are usually emotional-based illnesses? They're mental health issues. And that's what I was having. I was having emotional issues that I did not know how to uh, regulate. And so I wanted to not feel any of them. I didn't want to feel less than. I didn't want to feel judged. I didn't want to feel uh, fear. Yeah. And this was the way to do it. And I think once I had done that, that was the answer. Yeah. It didn't matter how I got it. So typically when people come to see me, it's because of 
some sort of crisis has taken place. And one of the things that I often try to tell people when I speak to them is like, you don't have to wait until the crisis has happened in order to see any sort of treatment, especially mental health treatment. I guess when you think about like the sort of the, the reasons why somebody might go into treatment on the recovery side of things, like what, what do you see in like people that you work with or encounter in recovery meetings? When should they go in? Well, I think it's immediate. I think what people in recovery or, or people who are new to recovery, what they find out is that it may be one of the free, most freeing things you can do to, to share your story. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, at first it may be just in the fellowship of, of recovery, mm -hmm. another human being, another person who's struggling just, and when I go speak all over the country, when I talk to young people and I express to them about being of service, I think people associate that a ton with money mm -hmm. uh, and, and things of that nature. You give money, but one of the most amazing things I found to, to be successful in, in being of service is to do what you and I are doing and just, just talk. We're both human beings. We're both flawed human beings trying to be better every single day. And we, the fact that we're both sitting here right now means we've gotten through everything we've ever needed to get through. Uh, and we've gotten back up. And that is one of the most freeing things. And what addiction does and what mental illness does, it tells you the best way to fight it is alone. By yourself, isolated. Some people deal with adversity during recovery by going back to using. I know and they might experience a recurrence of their substance use disorder or behavioral addiction or, or what have you. I guess, what do you think is the message to those folks that might have dealt with adversity in that way? As long as you get back up, as long as you talk about it, as long as you don't behave in the addict behavior, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I had a, a really uncomfortable relationship with sex so like porn on the internet became a very uh, thing, something my wife and I've had to, to address in my recovery. And it's been a healthy uh, way of addressing things instead of sh you know, looking at it in a shaming way. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing. Once you've found recovery, you know, and that's where I step aside from our first episode and some of the science aspect of things and choice because I feel like I have all the knowledge now. So that first drink or that first drug I have to say that's a bit on me. Whatever happens after that, in my opinion, is the disease yeah. that takes over. So if that were to ever take place, I'd know where to go to address it. So that's what I've done in, in instances where something else may crop up. I still deal with, are you kidding me? You know, social anxiety for me is a, is a big deal. I, I'm in the public eye, I speak, but I'm really uncomfortable. Like if my wife wants us to go to a concert or something like that, like it, she understands that we have to drive separately from the other couple we're going to go with because there may be a point where I'm like, I, we need to get out of here. Yeah. So what I love, I think one of the best things in my recovery was finding a partner who, who is open-minded and understanding of what I'm going through mm -hmm. and wants to, you know, wants to be a, a support. Support you. Yeah. That's, that's huge. For sure. And unfortunately, not everybody's lucky enough or fortunate enough no. to, to have family members, friends, or uh, significant others who are supportive in that way. So that really is, shout out to your wife yeah. <laughs> right now. Shout out to her. She's, uh, 
She's pretty special. She's pretty special. I'd met her um, like six months out of prison. And uh, like one of the first things I said to her was like, so I just got out of prison six months ago. Because, you know, you can, can Google me. And mugshot pops up, you know. Um, and, it, and, she, and she said it was one of the things that stopped her from doing it. Like there's this like transparency that I guess men most normally don't partake in that type of thing and so um i think that that went a long way for me and and i think she just she's so understanding around uh you know brain trauma that i probably experienced by playing professional football how to address that in a healthy positive way um you know and she's just yeah i can't say enough about her that's great so for anybody that's listening today thank your supportive people in your life right now Send them a text, shoot them an email, yeah. let them know how much you love and appreciate their support. Because it, it, you don't necessarily get it from society, for sure. Well, you don't get it from society because we'll talk about this throughout our episodes, the stigma that exists. That's right. And a lot of times that rolls with the people that don't figure it out. And um, it's difficult to try to, I would assume, for you guys to try to convince some of the clients that come in they have to separate from some of these individuals that continuously drag them down or enable said behavior. Yeah, I mean, I talk to people about how everyone in your before won't make it to your after. And that that sometimes has to be okay. Yeah. Uh, that there is sometimes something perhaps healthy about the fact that everybody in your before doesn't make it to your after. Uh, but when it comes back to like, uh, going back to just dealing with adversity, um, there's lots of different kinds of, of adversities that people can experience. They can experience the financial that you kind of mentioned. They can experience it in relationships. They can experience it from a mental health standpoint. Uh, and so I guess as we sort of wrap this up, uh, moving forward, what would, you, what would you recommend to folks if they are dealing with adversity while in recovery? First off, you have to be transparent about it and accept that I am, this is okay. And transparent with whom? Um, most importantly, probably your therapist, um, the supportive ones that you talked about, mm -hmm. like the people that have had your back through it. You need to be open and honest with them and 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 believe. And this is a big part of it. Believe that they're not going to judge you and shame you. I think for the longest time growing up for me, I was so fearful of the shame from others that I wouldn't tell anybody when I messed up because that was worse than actually you know, being that way, being found out was, was even, was even worse. So I would recommend you, you're transparent with whoever it is. A lot of times that is your physician. And for me, for the longest time, when I go in and I was dealing with orthopedic things, I wouldn't tell my doctor that I had a, a past with opioids. Okay. So, um, mainly because I was hoping that he would prescribe me some, I think that's just the addict brain. But if you have that conversation immediately, when you walk in, I am a drug addict. I'm in recovery, that is set in stone. And from that point out, he's going to address you and treat you uh, in a much different manner than he may somebody else. So that's the biggest point I would probably, uh, I would say is to uh, be transparent, be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, you know, when people say be a man, that, that's a totally different definition than what I thought it was yeah. growing up. And I would say to any of the folks that are in the mental health community that provide treatment, when you have someone who walks in 
in the spirit of transparency that Ryan just spoke about, responding with compassion uh, and understanding rather than the, the programmed, stigmatizing beliefs is critically important. We can do so much more to draw people in to treatment if we are first ourselves understanding of the bias and the prejudice and stigma that persons who use drugs and persons who are in recovery experience every day. That would have been super helpful. Um, and it usually was when it, when it ultimately happened. There was compassion, there was understanding, because guess what? I don't care who you are. You've probably experienced it in some way, shape or form, whether it's yourself, a family member or a friend. And, uh, and uh, unfortunately, that's something that's going to continue to be an issue and, and one that physicians and people in your position need to understand. So that's great. And we need people in the recovery rooms like you. Well, there you have it. Another episode down. We'll be back. Talk a little bit more on our next episode of the Recovery Playbook. Thanks for watching.